I hope that you are able to uh, jo join us tonight. And so you should be getting um, alerted that we are coming online tonight here on this beautiful fall Sunday evening in Northern Colorado. What a beautiful day. It has been a tremendous day with God's people today. This morning, we had our adult Bible fellowships and just a good spirit, good attendance there than our morning service. And you know, one thing about the morning service, you came ready to sing today. And the the singing was wonderful. Um, I loved the, um, the, the song service today with um, uh, older hymns and some good choruses. And you just sang passionately to the Lord today. And I believe he was honored by that. I believe he was worshiped through it. And then uh, just the wonderful attentiveness to God's word and to his Holy Spirit as he spoke to us through the book of Acts. Uh, we've been walking through the book of Acts and seeing um, what God is doing with his people. And as we, um, as we travel through that book, uh, I'm telling you, I'm enjoying the study and I hope that you are as well. I desire uh, to be a first century church where we are filled with the spirit of God and consumed with the mission that God gave us and we are seeing God use us in great ways. Hey, take just a minute and uh, share the page, check in, um, let others know that you're watching tonight and encourage them to watch with us, share it with your friends and we would uh, love to have people join us. Maybe you're joining us tonight for the first time, and we're very glad that you're here tonight. Thank you for watching with us, and I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart in just a moment. Uh, I want everyone to rem be reminded that this Friday at 5.30, it'll be Friday the 14th, 5.30, right at the church property, uh, we're going to be having our fall festival. Uh, Front Range Baptist Academy is hosting our fall festival. There'll be all kinds of booths and games, uh, a cakewalk, bouncy houses, um, a silent auction, um, an, a live auction. And uh, the live auction, as many of our classes in our school will put together baskets, and they'll have all kinds of, of things in them, uh, themes and so forth, and and. Uh, you, you'll be able to bid on those. And so I, I hope that you'll come and be a part of the fall festival. This will be a help to our, our senior class and to many in our school um, that are putting this on. And so I want you to, uh, to be there, 5.30. There'll be food, uh, fun, fellowship. It's gonna be a beautiful fall evening here. It, and, and we always uh, do a Western theme, or at least we have for the last few years. And so we've been asked again to put on our Western wear and come and have a great time on Friday. So if you've never been, bring the kids out. They'll enjoy the games and the booths that are that are available. Uh, you'll get some good, uh, good things to eat, really good fall festival fare. So come on and be a part of that this Friday night. And then I want you to go to our Church Center app and register now, if you have not registered now, for our Wednesday nights as we go through our witness classes. These are going to be um, a wonderful time for you to learn really practical ways. These are very, very practical ways on how to share your faith with uh, coworkers, friends, family, somebody that God has uh, divinely ordained for you to meet them and for you to be equipped 
to take away some of the trepidation that we might have of opening our mouth and sharing the gospel. So I want to encourage you to go on the Church Center app and go to the sign-up pages, and you can sign up for that. We're doing, um, we're doing several different types of classes. We're going to have classes for men only, classes for ladies only. So if you feel comfortable to be in a ladies-only class, you can sign up for that. And then we're doing one for couples. Now, depending on the so on how many people sign up for each of these classes, we're going to be putting the classes into smaller groups so that you, you won't be overwhelmed in a bigger group. There'll be smaller groups and the teachers will be taking you through the lesson. You'll have opportunities to, uh, to learn how to share your faith and opportunities to practice that. It's going to be, a, it is going to be very, very informational. And you, you are going to come away from this, I believe, really equipped in sharing the gospel with people that you love. And you will, you'll have confidence, you'll have, you'll have information, you're not going to be intimidated by, by questions that people might ask you. You're going to have good information on how to really be a good witness for Jesus Christ. So we're, we're going to help you with that uh, starting a week from this Wednesday. It'll kick off on the 19th of October, that Wednesday night, right there at the church property, 7 o'clock on Wednesdays. We'll break up. We'll meet for about 45 minutes or so. We'll have our youth group there that night. We'll have Awanas going on. Child care is available. So there should be no hindrance. Come. Just plan to be there for those next few weeks. And I promise you, uh, you're going to enjoy that time. So uh, sign up. Make sure that you uh, you get on the list. If you have not, if you don't know how to work the app, I would encourage you to, to learn that and to go there. That's a great tool for being involved and, and getting information through the Church Center app. Uh, but you don't don't feel bad about calling the office and you can talk with Sarah and one of the ladies there in the office and they'll help get you registered and signed up for those classes so we know where to put everybody. So sign up as soon as possible, okay? Uh, and be in prayer about that, that God will use these classes to help you and encourage you. Also, you can come by throughout the week. Uh, I didn't realize that we had them in already, but this morning, many of you already picked them up, and I'm so thankful for that. But we have our voter guides, and so you can come by the church office during the week if you're in the area. Stop by, pick one of those up. They'll be available this Wednesday night. They'll be available next Sunday. But go by and pick one up and begin to familiarize yourself with what's happening in this election and know how to vote biblical values. And so come by and pick those up. And if you have any questions, uh, you can ask as well. We'll be glad to help you. Tonight, I want to have you find two places in your Bible. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is the heart of the message of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. So find Matthew chapter 6 in your Bible, and then we're going to go to an Old Testament passage where we're going to finish tonight in Psalm 37. Psalm 37. So take just a moment right now, if you haven't already, share the page, let people know uh, that they, they can watch with us, and I know that this will be a blessing to so many of us. I'm going to be speaking tonight on something that is incredibly, incredibly important in the lives of believers. Uh, it may seem like a small thing, so hang in there with me because it's, we're going to see the real um, uh, magnitude of this and what this can cause in the life of a believer and how to overcome it. And it's going to be, I think, a very, very, very helpful message tonight. So Matthew chapter 6, Psalm 37, and uh, we're going to begin reading here 
in Matthew chapter six and verse number uh, 23. Jesus said, but if thine eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. In other words, if your outlook, if your eye, if what you're seeing is evil, the whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So what is Jesus saying here? He's simply saying this. The, the spiritual eye of the believer, if that spiritual eye is evil, uh, it is gonna flood the body with darkness. And if the light in us is darkness, how dark is that? The, the world is already a dark place. And if there's darkness in your heart, what a dark place you live in. And this, is, this really is a, an inside look that Jesus is giving us to what the heart of unbelievers is like. They're living in a world of darkness. They're filled with darkness. They're the blind leading the blind. They're, they're, they're in the kingdom of darkness. They're walking in the night. They're stumbling and looking for hope. And I wanna tell you, uh, this is the, the state of unsaved people. And, and now Jesus speaking to his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount is saying, this ought not to be the case for the Christian. You can't, you can't let um, the eye be fixated on the things of this world. You can't serve God and mammon. You only can have one master. So here's what he says. Therefore, now here's, here's an application then of what Jesus is saying. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat and the body than raiment? I mean, you, life is more than just what we eat. The body is more than just what we wear. Uh, behold the fowls. He said, I want you to look at the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. They, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. They don't have sewing machines. And think about this. He said, yet I say unto you that even Solomon, in all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, again, application to this, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father, knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Listen, life is full of heartache. It's full of, it's full of darkness. It's full of difficulty. And if we allow our life to be flooded with the darkness that is in this world, it is going to cause our, our hearts 
to be filled with darkness. This is the message tonight. Uh, we want to win the war on worry. You know, there's a war on all kinds of things today, but it seems as though worry is winning the war. People are uptight. People are anxious. People are fearful. And because of that, people are angry. Now, all of this comes from this sense of worry and fear and uh, uh, anxiousness about life and about the future. Uh, studies show that 40% of what people worry about will never happen. 30% um, has already happened and you can't do anything about it. 30% of what people have worry about are things that have already happened. 40% of what people worry about are things that will never happen. A 12% of what we worry about or what we worry about what others say about us. Uh, 10% worry about health, and that makes it worse. And 8% of worry is about legitimate things that worry will never make better anyway. Now, now just think about this. Worry is robbing so many people of things that are needful to overcome the problems that they're worried about. And worry becomes the very enemy to the problem. Um, can I tell you that uh, as a Christian, we have been commanded in Philippians chapter four and verse number six to be careful or to be full of care or to worry about nothing. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. We're not to worry about anything, but we're to pray about everything. Uh, Peter told us in 1 Peter chapter 5 that we are to cast our care upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for us. My, my dad used to help me with this. As a boy, I had, I had a, a, a problem with uh, worry and anxiousness. And my dad would always tell me, he said, you know, he said, son, what are you worried about? And I would tell him, and he would ask me a question. He said, well, can you do something about it? And I would say, yes. He said, then stop worrying and start working. And I would be worried about something. He'd say, what are you worried about? And I'd tell him, he'd say, can you do anything about it? And I'd say, no. And he'd say, then don't worry about it. Uh, if, if, you can, if you're worried about something that you can fix, fix it. If you're worried about something that you can't fix, then stop worrying about it. So worry is a major problem. You know, here's something very, very interesting. And I think you need to know this and get this in your heart. And I want you to associate this with this word worry. But the word worry comes from an old English word, which means to strangle. It literally means like a serpent taking you by the neck. It means to strangle, to take you by the neck. Uh, one of the old English words of worry, the derivative of that is to bend in half. You know, it's such a sad thing to see people let worry strangle them, to choke them, and to bend them in half. You know, too many Christians are walking around bent over like a question mark instead of standing upright like an exclamation point. How can we declare the good news if we're walking around worried about things in our lives. Now, it doesn't mean that we're gonna be problem-free. It doesn't mean that we're gonna be 
uh, trial-free doesn't mean that we're going to have a life that's free of difficulties. Um, we're going to experience problems. We're going to experience things that are in front of us that are going to bring worry and anxiety into our life. So what do we do with it? Well, we got to go to war with it. I'm not going to let worry strangle me. I'm not going to let the problems of life strangle the life out of me. Uh, I'm going to go to war with worry. In other words, I already have a problem that's presenting itself. I'm not going to let worry uh, magnify that problem. I'm not going to compound that problem by worrying. So I want you to see a couple things that Jesus taught us about worry here in Matthew chapter 6. Look at verse number 30 again with me, please. Matthew chapter 6. This is again the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving the heart of the law and the heart of his message to his disciples. And if you look at Matthew chapter 6 and verse 30, I want you to see what Jesus says here. He says, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought. Take no thought. In other words, do not worry about tomorrow, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Uh, let me tell you tonight, first of all, the cause of worry. What causes worry? What is the cause of worry? You say, well, my problem causes worry. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not the cause. Your problem is not the cause of your worry. What is the root cause of your worry? I, I want to make a couple of statements to begin with before I, before I give you the answer to the root cause of worry. And I want you to understand what this verse is not saying. When this verse says, take no thought, take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be closed? Uh, when Jesus said in verse 34, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things concerning itself. Listen, when Jesus said that, he was not, let me tell you what he was not saying. He was not saying that God intended for us to live an unplanned life. That goes against everything that God has taught us in his word. God has taught us to live a life that is well thought out and well planned. Um, remember, in, even in the book of Proverbs, God said, go consider the ant. The ant has no boss, no overseer, and yet the ant prepares her meat in the summer, knowing that winter is coming. There was a preparation and a forethought of there are going to be some cold days while we're growing hay. Let's eat, all right? Let's grab it. Let's store it. Let's put aside for a rainy day. God never intended us to live an unplanned life. In fact, Jesus gave parables about this when he said, if you're gonna build a tower, sit down and count the cost. Get the plan, get the architectural drawings, get the engineers, find out what materials are gonna be involved, find out what it's gonna cost, find out what it's gonna take to get that up, how many employees, what kind of equipment, how much material, how long, and then well plan it before you jump in. Hey, if you're gonna to go to war, get a strategy, get a plan. Uh, think about who you're going to war with. Where is this war gonna be fought? How many, uh, how many soldiers do they have? What kind of weaponry do they use? What do we have at our disposal? God intends for us to live a life that's well-ordered. Let everything be done decently and in order. We are to live a planned life. So this passage of scripture is not teaching us to just, well, whatever will be, will be. That's fatalism. That's nihilism. We don't want to believe in that. And that's not what God has called us to believe. So God is saying here, and Jesus is saying here to us, 
that what we are not to do is bring future trouble in today's trouble. Notice what he said again in verse 34. Take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto days the evil of itself, okay? So there's enough trouble today. Don't go into tomorrow and borrow tomorrow's trouble and bring it in today. If you go into tomorrow and borrow its trouble and bring tomorrow's trouble into today, you're going to have double trouble. And God does not intend for his, his people, his children to live like that. So what is he saying here? He's saying, take care of what is in front of you today and make sure that what you're doing today is sufficient for this day and don't let worry and fretfulness of future things get into what the business you need to attend to today is. In other words, uh, as a Christian, we need to be very careful to live day by day and take care of the things that we need to take care of today. If we, if we let anxiety and we let worry and we let fear from future events get into our day today, then what we're simply doing is we're bringing tomorrow's clouds and pulling them over today's sun. We need to work for the day. So what is the root cause of worry? Listen to this. This is what Jesus is teaching us. The root cause of worry is our conception of God. When we worry, what we're really saying is, I don't know that God is able or I don't know that God is concerned enough or I don't know if God knows what we should all be doing. I don't know if God knows best. I don't know if God is able to take care of this. Really, our worry is caused by a diminished view of God. We think of God too small. So that's the cause of worry. Let me give you number two, the real concern of worry. Um, let me tell you, worry, I'm more concerned about worry than I am about what worry is concerning me about. Look at verse number 31. The Bible says, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. See, when you worry about something, the real concern of that worry, now the cause of it is thinking too small of God, but the real concern of worry is that if you worry your way through life, you are insulting God. To worry is to accuse God of not keeping his promises. When he says here, the Gentiles seek after these things, he's talking about the unsaved. He's talking about, remember, Jews were the people that God revealed himself to. God revealed himself to Abraham. God revealed himself to Moses. God had given his, the Jewish people his oracles, his laws. Remember, the Gentiles were alienated from the life of God. They were outside of the covenants of God. They didn't really know God. So when Jesus is saying this, he's really saying, he's, he's, this is not a racial term. It's an understanding of the people who don't know God, they worry about these things. But people who know God should not be worried about these things. And the people who know God and live worried are an insult to their God, to the people who don't know him. 
We're insulting the Lord when we, as God's people, live in worry and fear. Worry accuses God of not keeping his promises. Titus chapter one and verse number two says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. Do you know how I know that I'm saved? It's certainly not because of my behavior and it's certainly not because of my good works. I know that I'm saved because the word of God says that if I come to him believing, he would receive me and he would give me eternal life. That everyone that comes to Jesus Christ believing receives eternal life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so I have to rest on the promise of God and rest on the character of God that God cannot lie. Philippians chapter four and verse number 19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, so I have eternal life. I don't have to worry about my salvation. I have come to Christ and I'm kept by his power. I don't have to worry about my needs being supplied because my God shall supply my needs according to his riches and glory. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I can live in peace and rest no matter what's going on in this troubled world. Jesus later in that passage of scripture said, in the world you shall have tribulation. In this world, you're going to have trials and troubles and tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus didn't say, in the world, you're gonna have tribulation. Now, if you worry your way through it, that'll help. No, he said, I'm gonna give you my peace. Let not your heart be troubled. I'm giving you my peace. It's a peace the world can't give you. It's a peace that nothing in this world can take away. There's no problem that you have, no difficulty that you have, no struggle that you have that can rob you of the peace that God has given you. And so let your hearts be at rest in the Lord. To worry is to live like there's no God. And that's the real concern of worry. So the root cause is thinking too small of God. The, 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 the real concern of worry is that we uh, think that God cannot keep his promises. And number three, I wanna show you the cure for worry. The cure for worry. Tucked away in the Old Testament in the book of Psalms, David is talking about fretfulness. He's talking about fretfulness. In Psalm 37, go back there in your Bible very quickly, Psalm 37, and we're going to walk right through the cure. Psalm 37, fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. Don't be angry and don't be envying the people who are living without God. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord, trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth, in his way because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Now watch this, verse eight. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Those are, those are the outward expressions of inward worry. Angry and wrathful people are people who are filled with fretfulness, 
fearfulness and worry. He says in verse number eight, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Don't get so anxious that you do what is wrong and act out of anger and reaction. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So here's the way to win the war with worry. You ready? Here's the cure. Number one, I wanna say this. Trust in the Lord. Look at it right there in verse number three. Trust in the Lord. What's the, what is the key to overcoming worry? Well, faith is the key. Faith is the key. Trust in the Lord. God wants to prove himself to you. He desires to prove himself. He gets glory that way. When his people trust him and God comes to their defense, his name is magnified, our hearts are, are, are gladdened, and the world sees God magnified. What a joy. God desires for you to realize that your security is not in a corporation, but in Christ, care of by the corporation you work for. That's just the means that God is using to employ you and to provide for you. But your great, your great uh, supply is coming from Christ. It's not, not through a corporation, but through Christ. Uh, your, your care and provision is not in a job, but Jesus. It's not in a friend, but it's in your heavenly father. Sometimes God needs to remove things from your life so you'll realize that he is your life. Oftentimes we go through, God lets us go through seasons of difficulties. Why? So that we quit trusting in our possessions and we start trusting in our possessor. We, start, we stop looking at the things that we have and we start looking at the one who has us. And we realize that our hope is in the Lord. And so faith is the key. What's the, how do we overcome worry? Well, first of all, trust in the Lord. Number two, do good. Psalm 37, three, trust in the Lord and do good. Let me tell you what happens when you stop trusting God. When you stop, when you stop trusting God, you'll stop trying to do good. You see, when people get in this shape, they start dropping out of regular activities. They, they get down. When, they, when people start getting worried, they, they withdraw from other people. They don't find themselves going to church faithfully. They're too tired. You know why they're too tired? They're not resting. They're not sleeping. They're up at night. They can't turn the TV off. They can't stop scrolling. They're trying to keep their mind um, um, from thinking about their problems. They're trying to live distracted from reality by all sorts of things. They, they don't know how to get sleep. And so they are waking up tired and, and they don't feel the energy to get involved with other people or other activities. And, and, and so what happens? They withdraw from everyone and they stop doing good. People say, well, I lost my job. And I say, well, what are you gonna do about it? Well, I'm gonna sit around the house and worry. And I say, get out there and do the right thing and God will provide, go do good. Go do good. I do the right thing. Hey, listen, if you don't have a job, make finding a job your job. Get up every day, eight to five. Get online, go out, go to businesses, find places that are looking for help. There's jobs everywhere, but find a job. In other words, what I'm saying is, is you, you don't sit down and stop doing anything and be paralyzed by worry. 
when, when problems come, you go do what is right. Do what you know to do and God will do the rest. Listen, this is a warning that, that the psalmist is writing about. He said, look, when worry comes, we stop trusting in God and we stop doing good. So don't fret, trust in the Lord and do good. Get up, go to church, get in that small group, get with that Bible fellowship, uh, go to the Wednesday night prayer meeting, go get involved with other people, get into the church activities, show up to things that are going on, go do something for a neighbor, go visit someone in the nursing home, go take some time to visit a widow or a shut-in, and God will bless you for that. So do good. Number three, here's the cure for worry. Trust in the Lord, do good, and then look with me in verse number four. Delight thyself also in the Lord. Delight in the Lord. You say, what does that mean? To delight in the Lord means that he becomes your joy. Real joy comes when your faith is in something or someone, and that cannot be taken away. So when your faith is in the Lord and the Lord can never be taken away, if my faith, listen, if I hope in silver, if I hope in gold, if I hope in my investment, those can, those can all go away. If my hope is in my house, it, it can burn to the ground. Somebody can break in and take it. I mean, there's our hope cannot be in the things of this life, but our hope is in the Lord and the Lord cannot change. And because the Lord cannot be changed and because the Lord cannot be taken away, then I can rejoice in him. I can rejoice in the ever-present help of the Lord. God often tries us to do two things. Number one, God puts us through trials to silence Satan. Do you remember Job? God let Job go through trials and tribulation to glorify himself through his servant Job in a spiritual war. And he said, I don't understand all that. Well, neither do I, but I can trust God in those times that God is doing a work way beyond me, way beyond myself. And I get to be a part of what God is doing. Second of all, God often puts us through trials and tries us to cause us to only need him. God puts us in places sometimes where all we have is the Lord. You know, sometimes we sing, Christ is all I need. And you know what? He really truly is, but we don't live like that. We would live like Christ is all we need if Christ were all we wanted and so sometimes the Lord puts us in trials to get our attention and our affection off of other things and back onto himself. And that's why Paul said, rejoice in the Lord. Now remember, when Paul wrote that, he was in prison, chained to a Roman centurion, a Roman soldier, in this terrible place. And Paul was writing about rejoicing in the Lord. He said, don't be careful about anything. Don't be worried about anything, but rejoice in the Lord. They can take away my freedom. They can take away my friends. They can put me in this prison, but they cannot take away the Lord. Paul said in that same passage of scripture, the Lord is at hand. He's right here. He's nearer to me than this guard that I'm chained to. The Lord is at hand and we can rejoice in the Lord. There's a lot of things in my life that I can't rejoice in, but I can rejoice in the Lord in those things. Uh, when I'm going through great difficulty, I don't have to rejoice about the difficulty, but I can rejoice that the Lord is in that difficulty with me. 
I can rejoice that God is walking through this trial with me. So we rejoice in the Lord. Number next, listen to this. What's the cure? Trust in the Lord, do good, delight thyself also in the Lord. And then look at verse five, commit thy way unto the Lord. I love that word commit. The word commit means to roll over to. Uh, to commit means to put it on. Uh, when you go down to the bank and you put your money in the bank or there's a direct deposit that your company puts into your bank account, they're rolling that over, that money from their account to your account, but they're putting it in that bank and you're committing your money to them. You're trusting them with that. And, and this is what the Lord said, deposit it on me, commit it to me, roll it off on me, casting all your care upon me, for I care for you. Put that burden on me. Take your burden off and roll it over on Jesus. Hey, do you have an enemy? Commit him to the Lord. Hey, do you have an uncertainty in your life? Commit it to the Lord. Do you have a financial trouble in your life? Commit it to the Lord. Pray about that thing. Put it on God. Put it on his promises. Get you some promises and start writing checks of faith against the bank of heaven and let Jesus sign it by his promises and his name and his word. Put his name on it and pray about it. And I wanna tell you, you cast your care upon him. You're careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with your request, with thanksgiving, make your request made known unto God. Oh God, I, in this problem, am not gonna worry about it. I'm rolling it over on you. It is not gonna strangle me. It's going to be carried by you. I'm putting this on you. And Lord, I'm asking you by your power and according to your promises, Lord, meet this need. Meet this need. Oh God, I worry about this. I fret about this. But this problem is nothing to you. That With you, nothing is impossible. You can take care of this. And Lord, I wanna thank you. I wanna thank you for your promise. I wanna thank you for your power. I wanna thank you for your presence. I wanna thank you for your provision. I wanna thank you that God, you've already answered. Thank you and we can rejoice in the Lord. Now, let me tell you what that brings. Here's, the, here's where it brings us. Look at, look at this next thing and lastly, look at verse number seven. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Now there's sometimes the Bible says to wait on him. And to wait on him is to do like what a waiter or a waitress does, is to serve him, to wait on him, to, meet, to, to, to patiently look at what the Lord wants you to be doing for him. But here we're waiting for him. Rest, here's, here's this burden that is choking me and strangling me, it's like a serpent on my neck. It wants to rob me of sleep and rob me of strength and rob me of joy and cause me to be fretful and weak and angry and, and, and uh, fretful. And so Lord, I'm, I'm going to trust you. I'm gonna roll this over onto you. I'm gonna delight in you. I'm gonna find promises that I can count on. And Lord, I'm praying about this thing with supplication. Every time it comes up in my heart with worry, I turn that worry into worship and I bring it to you and I, I give it to you. And now Lord, I can rest. I can rest in you. I can wait for you because I know in your good time, in your good way, according to your good will, it is going to be done according to you and, and, and worthy of your name. To rest means to be still and silent. Be still and be silent. 
Don't demand answers from God. Sometimes we demand answers from God. Now there's times that we get perplexed and we say, God, why? That's a supplication. Let that come out of your heart. It's okay to question God. He's big enough to take our question. But, but church, what I'm saying here is, is you, you're gonna have to come to a place where you rest in who he is. Rest in his character. And say, okay, God, I believe you. I believe that you are powerful, that you are mighty, that you are holy, that you are truthful, that you are loving, that you care, and you're concerned about what concerns me because you're concerned about me, and so I'm gonna rest. And I'm not gonna demand an answer. I'm just gonna wait. You see, let me tell you what God is not concerned with. God, the eternal God, the infinite God, is not concerned about time, but he is concerned about timing. God's not in a hurry. And God's never late, but God always works in his time. I can't make the sun rise. I can't stop the sun from rising in the morning. I can't make it set. Well, God can, and God does. Now, can I tell you what I can't do with God? I can't hurry him, and I can't stop him, so I just wait for him. I just let God have his will. Can I tell you, church, listen, worry will kill you. Worry will literally physically wear you down. It'll spiritually strangle the life out of you. Worry will destroy you. It'll put a strain in your relationships. And I wanna tell you tonight, you're gonna have to stop your worry by declaring war on worry, by going to God in faith. Take no thought for tomorrow. Don't, doesn't mean we don't live an unplanned life. We have a planned life, but we never let the, day, the troubles of tomorrow double the troubles today. We trust God, we take him to God, we learn to pray, we learn to cast them on the Lord, and we learn to give our cares to the Lord, knowing that he cares for us. And you can trust your heavenly father. Aren't you glad that you have a heavenly father that already knows what you have need of before you ask him? He loves you, he cares about you. Let's live in the peace of God. Father, I pray tonight that if somebody listening tonight or by way of internet later and podcast later at a later date, but wherever they are right at this moment that they're listening to this, maybe right in this moment tonight, if they do not know you as Lord and Savior, that they would come to know Christ. With a heart of faith, I pray they would come to you right now calling on the name of Jesus Christ with a heart saying, oh Jesus, I am a sinner and I deserve the penalty of sin, but I trust you, Jesus. I trust that you died for me. I trust that you were buried and rose again from the dead. And I trust that your new life will give me new life and I receive you, Jesus, to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of sin and cleanse me. Give me boldness to tell others about you and what you've done for me. And Lord, I pray tonight that those who know you as Savior right now would begin to pray, Father, forgive me for worry. I've thought too little of you. 
I have insulted you with my fretting. God, you're bigger than my problems and you love me. So I'm casting my care upon you. Teach me to trust and wait. Father, knowing that your promises are immutable. They are yea and amen. And Lord, you care for me. And so I pray tonight that I would be delivered from the things that are strangling me and I would cast those cares on you, committing them to you, rolling them off. Father, give me that peace that passeth all understanding. May it guard my heart and my mind so that my mind is not imprisoned by problems, but my mind is captured by your promises and your presence. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Make plans to be with us Wednesday night, seven o'clock for Bible study and prayer meeting. I know that you'll be encouraged by being there. So come, invite somebody, bring your Bible. We'll have a wonderful time together, seven o'clock this Wednesday.